Hey everybody and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and that makes this the first ever episode number five of Cloud Control. And you know, five is a really good number, James, but you know what's a better number is nine. Nine. <laughs> and oh, yeah. in this, since this comes out on Monday, that means it is only two days till it is the ninth. <laughs> we all know <laughs> what good comes math. out on November 9th. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, actually, this comes out on Tuesday, remember? We did change oh, our fuck. release date. So your math's a little did off, we but you're right. This? Uh, no, 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 it's fine. It's chill. Because you know what? By the time people are listening, it's going to be even closer to God of War Ragnarok. Everybody, there he is, the man himself. <laughs> the man himself. That is somehow the, like, it's still Kratos, but it's somehow really adorable. I know. That, it's like, that little, like I don't think he could look any cuter as a character. You know what I mean? Like, this is the cutest Kratos could possibly appear. You're right. If Kratos opinion. is any cuter, it would cease to be Kratos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Anyway, man, I'm excited for that. I got it installed on my PS5 right now. I got the little countdown of like, this is accessible in like two days and like 10 hours oh. or whatever. And it's like ticking down. And I went, you know, I went on earlier today to like, I did some Fortnite dailies. I was watching some football. Um, we're not going to talk about that. Green Bay sucks. And I just, every time <laughs> I go on there now, I see that little countdown timer and I'm just like, oh my God, give it to me. Inject oh, it into my veins. That's so hype. That is the one downside I'm going to get the physical because like I really have to justify having paid for the extra mm -hmm, price mm -hmm. on my physical PlayStation. And like, you know, once I have the game, it's going to sit on my shelf. It's going to look so beautiful. But that is the one downside where I don't get access early because I have to actually like yeah, you gotta wait. You gotta wait. It. Yeah, I mean, small perks yeah. of the digital, I guess you know. But I, I am jealous. It won't be on my shelf. I don't, I don't really care about that stuff, like for the most part. But for something like God of War, like I would love to own it physically too. So mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I'll have to like come over and, and see it at your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If if you're really nice to me, I'll let you come over oh, and God, like thank hold you. the case. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll just give it a hug. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Well, we're gonna obviously talk about God of War on our next episode uh, next week. But um, that is not what we're doing today. Um, today we have, of course, um, three excellent topics for you all today. We're starting off with a bit of a news roundup because, uh, you know, there was some pretty unfortunate news about PSVR too. Uh, we're going to cover that and a few other things. And then uh, Kate and I have both brought a different game we want to talk about uh, for our own topics after that. And of course, we'll close out the show with a listener mail question as we always do. And just as a reminder at the top of the show, if you would like to write in and be a listener mail contributor, you can contact us at cloudcontrolpod at proton.me um, or on Twitter as well at cloudcontrolpod. Um, all the links, of course, are in the show notes, description, whatever, wherever you want to get in contact. We appreciate it because we love to answer your questions. Uh, but let's get started off with our number one topic today, which of course is uh, Sony's PSVR 2 cost, because this is news that came out earlier this week. And, you know, I think it was one of those things where we all knew it wasn't going to be cheap, right? Like, especially with the, the PS5 price increase, like that happened a little while ago. I, that doesn't exactly scream like they're going to give the PSVR 2 away for like, you know, mega discount. But, it, you know, it's revealed it's going to be 550 bucks more than the PS5 itself for this thing. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different angles to break it down from, Kate, but what was your initial reaction to uh, this news? I mean, it it was obviously surprising like you said it wasn't going to be cheap but like holy fuck i didn't expect it to be more than a ps5 that's outrageous like i'm trying to think if there's ever been a like 
add-on hardware that has ever costed more than like the actual console that you need in the first place to play it. Yeah, right. I don't think there is. I, I mean, I thought about the same thing. And like, I, I honestly, I don't think there's anything even close. Like what's the most expensive like accessory that there's ever been? Like I know the, like, the pro controller or whatever, like I think that's going to be nearly 200 bucks, but that's like not even close to this. Yeah, and I get it. Like, I can't think of anything that would would logically be more expensive than a VR headset. Like, I understand that that's like that's not the same as just a controller, or it's not the same as just getting the like, you know, like Xbox Connect or whatever. Like, mm -hmm. this is considerably more of like a substantial piece of tech, but still, like that just seems really outrageous. And like, I imagine a lot of people. I know you yourself included are now gonna like be questioning whether or not they're gonna get it. Well, I'm not gonna get it. I mean, I, for people yeah. that have been listening to our show, like basically since the announcement of PSVR two, I've been like, I'm like, oh, I'm getting one for sure. Like, I wanted to get PSVR one, but then the two, like, it's obviously gonna be upgraded. Mm -hmm. You know, I was really looking forward to it, and I was thinking, like, you know, I, I was kind of prepping myself for like, you know, three hundred, maybe maybe three fifty at most. Like that's that seemed reasonable. Like it's still a big chunk of change, but I mean. Another five, like who has just 550 bucks just burning a hole in their pocket? You know, it's not like a, it's not like a small purchase. Yeah. And then, and then on top and of that too, like I, I, the thing is like for that price, I feel like you got to have some, some reason to be compelled to go buy it. But it's just kind of compounding of like, you know, aside from Horizon Call of the Mountain, which I'm not even a huge Horizon fan. There's not really anything else that's like a megaton game that you got to play on this thing day one. And it doesn't have backwards compatibility with PSVR one games. So you're like buying this, you know, high-end piece of tech with very little to do on it for more than you bought a PS5 for. And it's just, um, it's not a very attractive value proposition at this point, I don't think, especially when you compare it to other VR headsets. I know you were talking to me, what was it, the Meta, Meta Quest, right, you were talking about? It was the, the Oculus Quest 2 is, is the one uh, a close friend of mine has and we've played a lot. And like, we've had a ton of fun with it, but it definitely wasn't $550. And to clarify too, that's US pricing as well. Mm -hmm. So for us in Canada, it's it's considerably more expensive than just $550. Um, and yeah, it's, I think the Quest was cheaper and like, you know, we have tons of games on it and like we didn't need a PS5 to run it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. And it's, and it's wireless. It has, it's like, it just works by itself. Right. And it's cheaper. Like, yeah. you know, aside from like the PS ecosystem if you really wanted to have like that branded stuff like it, it just wouldn't make sense to to invest in that um i guess to, to bring a little bit more into the conversation too sony did um, reveal some more of the launch lineup for the psvr2 um 11 games there a lot of them are like games that are already out though um like crossfire sierra squad i think is already a game that exists there's hello neighbor uh, pistol whip i know is something that's already out on like the original psvr um I mean, they have they have a Dark Pictures game, Switchback, coming out, which is something I would be sad not to not to get to play. But I mean, I'm not buying this to play Dark Pictures Switchback, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's a bit of a tough sell. Because the other thing too, right, is like, hey, you buy the PlayStation, you buy the VR, and then it's like, well, how much is is Dark Pictures going to cost as a game mm -hmm, as well? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you buy the VR headset. I could see it a little more justified if you buy the bought the headset and then some games came with it. Yeah. But like you still have to then after you've purchased all of this tech to play it, go out and buy the games, which like, sure, maybe they're not that crazy expensive, but like 
it really does add up. And like you said, there isn't enough. Like, I will be so mad if they're like Bloodborne cart PSVR. Like, fuck. Like, you know, like you just know there's going to be that one game where it's like there's a new, there's a God of War thing that's like tied into Ragnarok or like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a really big Horizon fan and then there's, um, obviously like call the mountain is is a massive game and it's like they really give you that fomo of like i don't want to miss out on the games of like these franchises i'm so invested and like bought my playstation for but then at the same time it's like i can't be bothered to like it's just too big of an Mm -hmm. ass it's too much it almost would make sense like if we split one of these things at some point you know like and just (laughs) and just like had took like a month at a time and and lent it back and forth because i mean the thing with vr too is i I don't feel like I would play it all the time. It's the kind of thing where like you'd get it out once in a while, you'd have like a VR night or like there's a game you're wanting to play and you you kind of go through it. But I don't, I wouldn't see myself realistically like, you know, tossing this thing on my head every single day. It would be probably in the drawer like more often than it wouldn't be um, once the novelty wears off. But yeah, it's just sad news. I mean, I, I'm really hoping that what like this thing has like a big price drop, you know, there's there's been examples of, like, you know, when the 3DS came out and it was, people felt it was far too expensive. And within six months, they, you know, Nintendo really slashed the prices and gave, like, I, I remember I'd bought it early enough and then they they slashed the price and, and then they gave us like a collection of games to say like, oh, sorry, you spent extra on this. Um, I mean, I wonder if something like that's going to happen here because you got to think there's going to be, first of all, I mean, the PS5 is still difficult to get for a lot of people. And then on top of that, people what might have recently bought the ps5 they're probably not going to have money to buy this right away i'm concerned like i wonder if this thing just won't sell that well and then it'll be kind of one of those things where because it's not selling well they'll invest less into like producing content for it and then it's like a vicious circle of of um you know a struggle to be worth what it costs um in the long term as well i could see that being very possible the one thing i could think i could see them doing to like save that a little bit as I could see them maybe doing like a good bundle with a PS5 like you Mm -hmm. could buy the VR and the PS5 together and get a good discount but like that's great for people who don't have a PS5 already but it doesn't help people who you know manage Mm -hmm. to get one Mm -hmm. on release or within the last year and then they want to buy so yeah I I don't know it really depends I I, I'm curious because to me it's like I my assumption would be that it's not going to sell amazing based on the ecosystem and you know like the specific price of this but at the same time you can never underestimate how much money some people have to just throw around yeah (laughs) like these might just get picked up like hotcakes at the same time no true i mean i would imagine at the start like obviously on launch it's going to be sold out because everyone that you know people who are really big enthusiasts will buy it day one people who are like you know Mm -hmm. hardcore collectors they got to have everything playstation they'll all buy it day one but then once that sort of initial rush passes i just wonder like what's the tail on this thing you know like some things just yeah. sell forever like mlb the show and every time like it's always on sale it's always selling you know like <laughs> every time you read those <laughs> sales true. reports it's always there but i just i just don't know like if this is going to be like the same um to the same level but we will wait and see on that although um i won't have any firsthand experience um, <laughs> as i was planning to have originally on PSVR 2. Um, so let's go into our second news story now, change topics a little bit. And this one is actually, uh, well, I mean, I think it's kind of exciting. And this is that EA discusses a new deal with Marvel games. Um, they're going to be producing, I think, three AAA Marvel games over the next uh, few years. One of them, I think, is known to be uh, an Iron Man game from, uh, what is it? What studio is it? Oh my God. It's the Jade Raymond studio, okay? The one we always talk about, Motive. 
um, is developing a Marvel game uh, with Iron Man, and then they'll have a couple of others coming out as well. So uh, it's an interesting partnership with EA and Marvel. I feel like, I mean, EA had the Star Wars license for a long time, and I know there was a lot of controversy around like, oh, the first five years of the deal, they produced nothing, and then they had Jedi Fallen Order, and all of a sudden it's like turned around, and they had that, that uh, Battlefield, or the, what's the, the plane, the squadron game in the planes. Squadrons, um, yeah. You so like that was that fun. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, what are these games going to be? Like, you know, is it going to be more narrative focused or are they going to be making the Iron Man game like a, you know, is it going to be like that? Uh, what's that game that came out that was kind of like Iron Man and you flew around and it was like oh, an Anthem? Anthem? Like, is it going to be kind of like, are they taking the bones of Anthem and like transferring it over to uh, Iron Man? Like, I don't know. But that that is sounds that sounds really cool. Uh, to me. And I, I just hope it doesn't get like the EA treatment of, oh, you better have all these microtransactions and like, you know, all that kind of crap, because I want some good Marvel games. I work. I mean, we're getting some though. It feels like the, the video game industry is trying to catch up with like the movies now mm -hmm. at the point where like, we're so oversaturated with Marvel content in terms of like shows and movies. But now it's like, there's so many Marvel games. Like, Spider-Man did amazing. And now we've got like, there's that Black Panther game coming out. Midnight Sun coming out soon. We just had Guardians of the Galaxy. Here's three new ones announced. Like Marvel Snap just came out Man. and it was like blowing everyone away. Like there's so much, there's that Wolverine game. Like mm -hmm. there are so many Marvel things in production right now. It is like, it's almost difficult to know where to start when you're looking at these games. Yeah, it, it totally is. You're right. And I mean, they're all coming from such different studios as well. Like you mentioned, like mm -hmm. Snap is like mobile, it's on Steam. And then like the the Spider-Man and Wolverines are Insomniac, which is like, you know, they've, they've proven at this point, I think that they just excel at those sort of third person action. And it just meshes so well mm -hmm. with the abilities of superheroes and whatnot. Um, yeah, exactly. And yeah. then you got Midnight Suns, which is like the, the first, like the turn-based XCOM, like Fraxis games and like there's a lot of variety, which I think is good. So I think EA, if you're going to take on some Marvel products, like even though there's other studios, the other studios working on them, so you can't expect them to be like similar. There is kind of like a standard of quality that you expect them to come out to. Yeah, definitely. Um, so on the article here, I'm reading from GameSpot, of course. Um, they mentioned the, this, the first game, the Iron Man, will be a single player, third person action game starring Iron Man, but I don't think it's been confirmed. Um, oh no, it does. It says they're all three of them are action adventure. And to me, that's the one okay. thing where I'm like, I wish there was there. I hope they have some type of variety in the genre because as much as I do love Spider-Man, I mean, I anticipate Wolverine's going to be third person action. This Iron Man's third person mm -hmm. action. I feel like that's just such a, such a saturated, um, like genre of game at this point, like God of War is coming out. A lot of the PlayStation stuff is all kind of that style. And it would be, mm -hmm. Marvel is just so diverse. There's so many characters. And I I really hope that as this continues, we get more stuff like Midnight Suns, more stuff like Snap, that's sort of changing up um, like the type of game you're playing. Like why not give us like more strategy stuff or what about an, a Marvel like sim game, you know? Like where's the Animal Crossing Marvel where you're like, building a shield carrier and like and like putting different rooms and like i don't know like there could be so many different aspects they could so take funny, an animal crossing skin it's like oh no bucky's trying to move out like stop him <laughs> and like you really don't want the hulk to be there so you're like hitting him with the the like um the net like the yeah. bug catching net like hoping he'll leave <laughs> that's amazing that's so funny iron man's like oh man i i lent 
I lent uh, Black Panther my screwdriver. Can you go get it back? <laughs> <laughs> I lent him the Hulkbuster. He was, he was busy. Yeah, he needed to move some uh, some wood to go build his new house. <laughs> He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. And, and I think the one kind of saving grace is to wait and see because, yeah, they say action adventure, but action adventure is such like a ridiculously massive genre at this point That's that true. you get like games that are so incredibly different from each other but are under that umbrella so like action adventure really just means that it, there's it's kind of story focused and there's probably going to be combat and maybe exploration and that is like <laughs> right and rp rpg elements <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Which every like, game has so that's a little vague but i i think you're right in the sense of like you know that arkham asylum like spider-man sort of style does seem to be like what they kind of like fit into mm -hmm. but yeah and i mean we'll i see. not don't get me wrong like those are some of my favorite style of games I, I love them but i just think that you know we marvel is so saturated and i think that you know one of the ways to combat that is to have diversity in how you're presenting the properties and and like exactly. you know give us a marvel like, racing just... game come on that'd be so cool <laughs> or like give us a like a daredevil detective like lawyer game like wow. like L.A. Noir, but, but it's in starring Hell's Kitchen. starring Daredevil and like She Hulk could be the, could be across yeah, the stand or something. Yeah, exactly. And you're like you're having to lawyer around and like take Kingpin down, but like actually in the courts. Imagine imagine Phoenix Wright crossover with Daredevil. Phoenix <laughs> Wright Daredevil. Could you imagine? That'd that? be so awesome. Phoenix Wright even has some of his powers. Like he can tell when people are lying with that like stupid like truth lock kind of stuff. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. That's just Daredevil. He's just just cosplaying <laughs> what is, Daredevil. What is Phoenix Wright if not a Marvel superhero? Really? That's the that's the real question here. It's true. He's in the game. He fights them. Yeah. Well, speaking of fighting, and also speaking of characters <laughs> that basically are superheroes, uh, our next news story is that there's a big AAA John Wick video game that is kind of in talks to happen. Um, apparently. <laughs> Um, according to the Liongate CEO um, earlier this week. Again, I'm reading from GameSpot. But um, I just wanted to toss this one in there because we've had like games like John Wick Hex and a, a few like John Wicks in Fortnite and stuff like that. But I just feel like John Wick himself and that whole, you know, the hotel in that universe would be such a cool setting, like that criminal underworld type of setting for a video game. And I'm just sitting here and I'm envisioning like, you know, a Sifu style of combat but with john wick in a you know highly you know polished well-produced game like that just sounds amazing um i just want more john wick honestly like that world is just so cool i, I just want to spend more time in there it is they're they're cool movies i love that you mentioned sifu because i think that's exactly what it could be like right like kind of like one of those like ta like tactical brawler sort of styles like that would fit so well with his gun fu Gun and I can see you going through levels like that. And like everybody loved him in Cyberpunk. Like Keanu Reeves like broke into the video game industry. He was like he was Johnny Cyberpunk. And now he could just be himself in John Wick. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I mean he his likeness is already in other games, you know. I, I don't know if that mm -hmm. really contributes to being anything to do with this, but I I mean John Wick is it just makes too much sense. That's all I'm gonna say. It's like the Matrix, yeah. you know, there, there's not really like, to me, that's another one that's like, you can make some sick video games in the Matrix. And I know they yeah, have made Matrix like, games, but this is like a modern sort of uh, modern, modern Yeah, because like movies can be good games now. They don't have to just be like really cheap, shitty, like low budget stuff that just ties into having a release. Like it could actually be good now. Mm -hmm. um, and like, like, yeah, like the Matrix and John Wick stuff, like they're kind of 
they kind of feel like watching a video game when you watch the movies in a sense, yeah. right? Like it's kind of got that like that just a bit over the top, like unrealistic, like silly action in the same way that like a video game cutscene might kind of choreograph stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's legit. It works. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think um, Hitman is another is like a style of game that would really work well for this. You know, Hitman is really stealth focused mm. though. Like I I could see some type of game like that where you're in an environment you got to take out a target, but maybe it's a little bit less stealth focused with John Wick and a little bit more gun fu mm-hmm. and uh, you know stuff like <laughs> that. But I think it could be very cool. So let's hope it happens eventually. Um, and speaking of other things that we hope happen. Uh, fairly soon. Our last news story for the day is that there was a Last of Us board game announced. And you were a big board game fan. We both are big fans of The Last of Us. And so we got to mention it. It sounds very fun. Like this this article is kind of explaining the game itself. And it would be, it's a one to five player co-op game you're playing as Ellie, Joel, Tess, Billy, and Tommy, uh, Marlene as well. And you're, I guess you're like weaving a survival story together. You're sort of working together to, you got to craft like in the game and you got to make choices apparently. And there's different, you know, scenarios that happen. Um, there's an image of the board game for anyone who's seen it as well. It just, it looks really Last of Us and it, in a, you know, the styling is exactly what you would expect for the Last of Us universe. And I think it could translate really well into like a cooperative survival type of game. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of, there's a game called Dead of Winter. I don't know if you've ever played no. it, but it's like a co-op. Um, it's a co-op game where you are basically survivors in a zombie apocalypse. And you have to like go to different locations and gather like types of supplies. And you also have to like barricade and like kill zombies to make sure they don't get into your camp. Um, and it is a cooperative game. It's really fun. I, I like it a lot. But what also gets me is it's kind of got like a little bit of like a narrative story as well. So like between rounds, you're reading like story cards. And so the conflict will be like, oh, you need this, you need like X amount of fuel because, you know, you've run out and you need it for blah, 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 or like something like that. And then everybody has like story cards you read. So they're kind of like random events that happen. And so it'll be like, but they're sometimes triggered. So like you'll every for every person's turn there's a story card that comes up and sometimes it doesn't happen because it's like oh if this survivor is at the hospital then read mm-hmm. it's like, well maybe he wasn't there or maybe it's like if you have at least three people at the camp that were like barricading this turn then read and so like they just happen in their various choices sometimes it'll you'll have to make a decision like oh there's this new survivor like will you let them into your camp like they brought some food with them but also like you know there are four more mouths to feed and like yeah, do you right. let them in or do you not let them in and so it this game kind of it doesn't have tons of details about how it plays because i think the kickstarter officially starts on it's november 8th um, november 8th, november 8th? Yeah. yeah november 8th so we'll get more information then but it reminds me kind of of that sort of style just because you've obviously got like the zombie stuff and then this implies that there's going to be some like narrative parts as well not just survival and and the co-op so yeah i think it it sounds really good like i like the idea of everybody it says they get like a a immersive they get a hang up they get a hang up Uh, yeah something they're trying to overcome in life yeah so that to me implies that like you have an overarching goal to all work for together, but then everybody's going to get like a secret objective that they have to like complete by the end of the game probably as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool. So, I mean, 
here's the thing. You're, you're far more into the board game world than me. Like what, what will something like this cost? You know, like I know a lot of board games, especially oh. bespoke ones, like, you know, like specialty ones like this, they're, they can be like a few hundred bucks. Like, do you have any idea what this might cost? Yeah. So I, I imagine it will be like probably pretty expensive because it's a, like it's Kickstarter and it's a licensed game. Like I know like the Dark Souls board game, for example, is like 130 bucks or mm-hmm. something because mm-hmm. Like big big board games tend to be kind of they've gotten quite pricey, and then also I think with the branding, yeah, that adds a lot. So I I would be surprised if it was like under a hundred and twenty dollars. I was thinking. I mean, my or guess was going to be like, like one fifty. Like that. That's yeah. what I was kind of estimating. I I imagine too that there'll be some like tiers to choose from, right? Like maybe you'll get some like additional like character mm-hmm. cards, or you could get maybe like some figure extra figurines or stuff depending on if you want to like keep increasing the price but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i i've clicked it on kickstarter to notify me when it comes out like i'm definitely going to take a look at this i love i love board games especially cooperative board games and especially ones that have like extra narrative stuff that you get to read because i feel like everyone just gets so into it and you almost start kind of like not role-playing your character, but you kind of get into it a little bit more than just, like, sitting around and, like, oh, I think that's objectively the best strategy. And, like, you know, some board games can kind of, like, break down until, like, you play them the same way every time because you just sort of have, like, figured them out. Yeah, you've optimized it, right? You've figured out the most efficient way to do things. But this seems like it could be different every time. Like, if you're you're playing as Joel, I mean, from what I can see on the character cards, it looks like every character has a little bit of a different loadout. Like, Joel has the, the... what are they called? The screw bombs or like the shrapnel bombs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ellie seems to have a bow in the same slot of her card. So mm-hmm. I imagine like if you play as a different character, then you get a different motivation the next time you play. And like, you know, depending who else, how, how many other players you have, like maybe there could be some variety in terms of like, your motives and your story. And I, I think that could be really cool in a way that's like replayable. Yeah. Exactly. I think it sounds like it's replayable. And the other thing too is like, yeah, sure, it's maybe kind of expensive to buy it, but if you play it a bunch of times over and over again, like I think you can definitely get your money's worth on a game like this. But I think there's there's one thing I gotta shout out though, just because this article, this GameSpot article is so funny, is that like it talks about the characters, right? And obviously like Joel and Ellie are the big heavy hitters in this. Like yeah. who's really stoked to play is like Billy. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> I mean nothing what, against Billy, like, oh, but Nothing against Billy, but like nobody's like, oh, I call Marlene. Like, yeah, true. No. It's like, oh, you're the <laughs> new player. You get, you get Marlene. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But the other funny thing about it is that it it goes on afterwards to say gameplay involves players making choices about which route to take and resolving immersive chapter cards at familiar locations from the video game, including the suburbs, sewers, and university. And like. <laughs> I I get why they picked those because like I distinctly remember doing those locations in the game like those are like the iconic and like Blast mm-hmm. House is just set in like normal American towns right like that's the point is that they're not extreme locations it's that the fact that like the the apocalypse has come and the plague has come like to everyone's everyday life yeah but just to read from an article, those three locations do not sound exciting <laughs> at all. Yeah, if you have like if you have no touchstone to what The Last of Us is, yeah. and you're just like, oh, the sewers, <laughs> like, oh, okay, like that's pretty. Standard. Yeah, exactly. Like if you haven't played the game, you're like, oh, great, the suburbs, like <laughs> how, <exciting. laughs> how thrilling. <laughs> it's like I live there, bro. Yeah. I don't want to go there in a board game. Like take me to space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So I just I just had to point that out. I think that's so funny. I like that. That's pretty good. <laughs> okay, well I think that's gonna do us for the news today, though, Kate. So let's let's uh, both bring in our topics for the day here, and I'm very excited to hear about yours. So please uh, fill me in on your time with Plague Tale Requiem. Oh dear. So I originally was what a, a start. I've never we've never started oh, a, a segment on this show ever. <laughs> what tell me about this? Just oh, oh dear. Oh no. <laughs> okay, but it's a good oh no. This game was incredible. But at the time of recording, I finished this game probably about like an hour and a half ago. Yeah, you're very fresh. And very fresh. I'm very fresh. I have not fully finished processing it. And I will tell you that I am I am devastated <laughs> by this game. And that's a sign of how good it was, is I don't think I've ever had a video game make me cry before. I think I've been close a few times. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely felt very emotionally impacted by games before. But I think this is the first one to ever actually get like good, like wow. uh, not just one, but like a few good tears. Now that is a compliment because I, like I was saying yeah. to you before, I've, I've only cried one time in a video game, Telltale's Walking Dead season one. That hit me real hard mm -hmm. too. And so like, that's an endorsement to me is, is that type yeah. of emotional impact. And, and I think that is by far the game's biggest strength is, is the level and the quality of the writing. Like, if you've played play the first Plague Tale, then you kind of know what to expect. It really picks up from the end of Innocence, and you jump right into Requiem. So there's no um, there's no like time skip or anything, right? It's it's there, just like there is maybe like a very small one, but you're still like the characters at the same age, kind of in a, the similar sort of situation. Like it really does follow up on it, and. Most of the game, again, is centered with Amicia and Hugo and trying to keep this poor kid safe <laughs> as the world is falling apart, literally. Um, and they're just so believable. Like, the, What's nice about Requiem is it, it kind of, it doesn't change too much about the first game. Mm -hmm. So don't go into it looking for like a massively different experience. But what it does is it iterates on every part every aspect of the first game and just improves it and polishes it that little much better. So I guess if you're not familiar with the first game, it's largely still you're going through different areas and set pieces. And a lot of it is like stealth and kind of puzzle solving of how to get past rats to manipulate the light and carve a path so you can get through these rat infested sections without dying. Or the other big one is that there's guards and patrols of various like armies and people that you're at odds with and want to capture you or hurt you for various reasons. And you have to like stealth around them. And then you have the big sections that have both rats and um, mm -hmm, the guards yeah. that you're stealthing around. So that that formula is still very much the same. And then with added puzzles of like, oh, the door's locked and how are we going to get around or like, you know, you have to use these levers to, to move things and, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of crank puzzles and stuff like that. <laughs> so is there still a lot of, um, I remember one thing, because we we've we both played the first game. We had a, mm -hmm. like a long episode about that before, but is it still, um, like, is there still a lot of crafting and whatnot in the game as well? Or is it, yeah. you know, is that expanded yeah. at all? It's, it's a very similar system in the first game. Like the crafting is basically the exact same as it was before mm. in the first game. And I, I think that's like, it, it's one of those things almost like not worth talking about because like there is crafting and yeah. it does encourage you to kind of like 
go off the beaten trail and and kind of explore the areas a little more to find things but I found by the halfway of the game like I just didn't care about finding more materials because I was constantly 100% full yeah but what the game has now which I appreciate and actually did get me to explore a lot was they have two types of like collectibles you can find but instead of it just being like you know like the the Assassin's Creed feathers is always a thing right like 100 feathers you can find and whatever they're um memories they're either memories or they're flowers so like hugo really likes flowers and every time you find one you collect them for him and you can like put them in your hair so it changes and then you also find feathers well that's funny actually they're not assassin's creed feathers <laughs> but they're bird feathers hugo likes birds now and so <laughs> he likes a birds little now. feather <laughs> yeah he loves birds like oh birds are cooler than flowers and so he'll pin them to his like shirt and you can like pick which flower amici has and which feather hugo Mm. has and each one you get you learn a little bit about what it you know what it symbolizes and like that kind of stuff and then the other one they have is is one of my favorite additions to the game is that you'll come they're called memories and you'll come across certain things that you can interact with and then the characters will have a scene where they like have like a moment either discussing something or like it will remind them of something. They just have like a little conversation that only initiates when you find that mm-hmm. object in the world. And some of those were my, one of my favorite things. Like you just get a little bit extra about the characters that I feel like enhances because as fun as the gameplay is, and I think they've improved it from the first game, it's very similar, but it's, I I think what it is, is I don't think it necessarily got tons better but it got polished so that it wasn't frustrating yeah. whereas in the first game sometimes the controls could be a little finicky and you wouldn't quite lock on to what you were wanting to shoot with your sling perfectly and yeah. so sometimes i felt like you'd have to redo sections because you accidentally messed up the controls and then got spotted or like lost like kind of like a cinematic like cutscene style piece where you you'd be like shooting off a cart or something like that mm-hmm. yeah i remember whereas that happening game, a few times Yeah, whereas in this game, I found that I didn't really have times where I had to repeat sections very often. Like, the game wasn't very difficult, but it also didn't slow you down. Like, it had a really good pacing where you kind of just got through everything. Mm -hmm. And well-checkpointed as well. And well-checkpointed. There were a couple times where you'd get spotted while you were stealthing, and I went, like, a little bit further back than I thought I would, and it was kind of annoying. So, like, okay, well, I opened a chest over there, so I'll go back and get that chest a second time, and, like the characters do that like naughty dog style thing where they're like talking to each other Mm -hmm. as you go and they like will comment on things as you pass by and it's really well written it feels really natural but the problem is that if you like fail a section and you have to do it again they'll have the same conversation and it's like well i i literally just right and you begin to see through the cracks of it then right it becomes less uh yeah less like immersive in that way i guess i don't like using the word immersive like it's so overused but you when you have to repeat the same thing and you hear that again you it goes from impactful to like okay just shut up like i know what i'm doing i just need to concentrate on this stealth section okay yeah so i i definitely had a few moments like that where i was like oh i gotta do this again and then you die and be like oh okay a third time let's go but it definitely felt more minimal i think you have a lot more tools in this game than in Mm -hmm. the first game because a lot of the areas that you get into that you have to like cross over a big field and there's guards and rats and whatever you have a lot more options of how you want to approach it 
Whereas in the first game, a lot of the time it felt like there was one solution to each puzzle and you had to figure out that solution. Yeah. That was one Whereas of my biggest complaints in... of, of the first game was just like, yeah. it, it seemed to give you this tool set, but there was like one way to do things and it seemed like a missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good to hear that it seems different in this one. Yeah. So I, I think anyone who had that issue with the first game, this is this has totally solved that for you because you have these, um, like they're gigantic actually, they're massive areas. Like sometimes it's easy to get lost in them and not know which way you're supposed to go because there are so many ways. And they do eventually all kind of like coalesce into the right way. But you have genuinely a lot of options on how you want to tackle it. And I did like that because it lets you be creative. There's a few times where it's like, okay, I could sneak through this like kind of part that's a little bit more inside buildings instead of out in the open field. Or it's like, I can go out in the open field and like extinguish that guy's flame or like, you know, throw something to distract him, or I could like just straight up kill that guy if I want to, and then go around that way. So you have a lot of options and it really did feel like you kind of chose what path made sense to you and you kind of problem solve like through the moment instead of like having to plan out the whole way of like, I think this is how you're intended to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they definitely scaled it up in terms of, of the gameplay, but I think at the end of the day, like, this is not the kind of game you play for the gameplay. It's perfectly serviceable. It's fine. I enjoyed it. Some of the puzzles were satisfying. Some of the areas were really cool. Like, there's one where you're kind of on, like, like a dock sort of place. And you're sort of, like, going through buildings and then under down on the sand and back up and around these little, like, ramshackle shacks, which is a really cool sequence. And it's raining and, like, it's dark and there's guards out with their torches. So mm -hmm, that yeah. was really cool. I think but, I think the environment, like just relating to my experience of the first game, mm -hmm. I think the environments were my favorite part of the game. Like it was just some of those scenes, like those yeah. towns are so creepy and you're walking through like puddles of blood over corpses and then the rats are there. And it yeah. was like, legit like a very, very, I, I don't know if it was unique, like the rats make it unique, but it was just such a like dirty, gross environment. Mm -hmm. Like I really felt like I was there at certain points of it. And, yeah. uh, you know, that like that's one of the things that has me interested, like from what you're saying is like, I want to be in this environment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the set pieces in this game blew me away. Like I was not expecting it because they're not, it's not like a Sobo is a massive studio, right? Like they are, I mean, this is like, this very much feels like a AAA game to play now. But if you think back to the first Plague Tale, it was, you know, like- Smaller they were, scope. They were smaller scope, right? But this is insane. Like they have areas that are so bright and colorful and beautiful. And they have other areas that are just like the most disgusting, like bodies and rats and like, you know, just like rivers of like the most like grossest water you've ever seen in your life. And you're climbing over dead bodies and corpses and the characters are like coughing because of the smells. And like, it's so visceral. And I think that's kind of what, the biggest sell of this game is, is that the environments you go through and the storytelling and how they have these massive scale environments and concepts going on, but it's so intimate to the characters. Like at the end of the day, like you cannot stop yourself from falling in love with Amicia and Hugo. And like, I would do anything in my life to protect this kid. <laughs> like I care about him so much. <laughs> like he is just, goes through so much shit like they go through hell and high water 
to like get him out of all these bad situations, the plague following them and all this death and destruction that just gets like left in their path and how they deal with it. And I think like Hugo's kind of the star of the show, but I really grew to like Amicia more in this game as well, because she has this horrible arc of like all the things she's done and all the people she's killed and like everything she's had to do for their survival really catches up to her. Mm. And she has moments in this game where like she just totally breaks down and she'll, you know, get away, be away from Hugo for a second and just lose her shit. And like, she's falling to the floor and like having panic attacks. And then later on, she has a moment where she just goes like, she's so frustrated with, with, you know, every time they are almost to safety, something comes after them. And like, she just freaks out and starts like, you know, like killing a bunch of people and like consumed by rage. And she has so many like moments where she just like loses it and then has to put herself back together for Hugo's sake. And poor Hugo like is watching all of this and mm-hmm, he then, mm-hmm. you know, like starts to to have to freak out. And then it's just so- wow. Sounds stressful. It's so well-written. It is genuinely stressful to play this. But at the same time, I love it so much because like they're not- perfect and there's so many consequences to everything you do and they really feel like they're like struggling to survive whereas in a lot of games you get like you know your protagonist is just like a total badass and they just go in and kill the room and then like all right let's go and whatever and like i'll go kill 12 more people and then every now and again they ruminate on like oh am i the bad guy and they're like Mm -hmm. nah (laughs) like nah let me just headshot six more guys (laughs) and and there's that kind of like disconnect sometimes with the story and then like you know yeah. what the characters are, are going through and the, and not every game needs to ground it so much because some games are more about like the action or the power fantasy or they're like a larger scope about like a broader story but what i like about plague tale so much and that it really stands out is that it is so a hundred percent of the time focused on the characters everything that happens in the game has like a direct consequence that you really feel like it mattered to them and I think for that reason too, like you just get like, at least for me, like maybe if you don't get into the characters, the game doesn't land as hard. But for me, I was so invested in these two. Yeah. Cool. See, see now this is what my last question for you, I was going to have, uh, I don't mm-hmm. know if you had much else to say, but was was just going to be like, you know, you got me interested in this game for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the trappings, like the the environment, the relationship, you know, yeah. uh, the, all those types of things, like the the diversity of some more of the, the puzzles you're trying to complete instead of having the one prescribed way to beat it. All mm-hmm. that sounds great. But I'm taking myself back to our conversation about the first one. And I think like hearing everything you have to say, I'm still feeling like we're in the same spot because I think that the different, the biggest difference we had with this game is I don't think I bought Hugo and Amicia's relationship to be quite as organic Mm -hmm. as you did. And so I'm just wondering, like, do you think, do you think it's, it's just that much of a step up from the first one? And would I get into it? Because I want to, it's not like I don't want Mm -hmm. to get into it. And (laughs) I didn't think the first game was bad, but it just didn't resonate with me quite the same way. And so like, do you think it would this time for me? Or do you think I might be in the same spot? I mean, I I had the bias of going in where I already was invested in them from the Mm -hmm. first game. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the kind of thing where, like, you definitely can't play this game if you haven't played the first. Like, you need those building blocks. But I think, like everything else, like, that is another aspect they have improved on. I think 
the the writing, just even the voice acting and and how the conversations play out. Like it very much feels like a Naughty Dog game in that sense where like they're so organic when they're talking to each other and it feels like it really fits the moment as opposed to just like, oh, we got into a cutscene and there was some talking and now like, you know, you get into the scene and it isn't just like, oh, do you think we could use that box over there? Like, oh, I think we could. Like they really do kind of talk to each other each other and they'll be checking in and they'll like comment on something if you walk by and like there are a lot of moments too where like there's one where it's not a spoil but it was just a really cute you kind of get out in this nice field and the game is fucking gorgeous by the way like one mm-hmm. of the nicest looking games I've ever seen and you get out of this field and Hugo like there's like a nice tree in the distance and sometimes you forget how like Hugo's still just a little kid. And so they want to have like a race there and he, and you race Hugo to the tree and he beats you and he like calls you a chicken. And like, they just have these like mm-hmm. nice warm moments as well. Sometimes interspersed with all like the, the difficult times. Yeah. And so I, I think it's definitely better. Like, I think it's not the kind of game for someone who doesn't want to do those story parts. Like I think that's yeah, so for, for the kind of person that skips cutscenes and just wants to get to the action and do that kind of thing. Like this is yeah. this is not a game for, for people of exactly in, on that like wavelength. this this is a game for story and character first and then gameplay after. Mm. But I think it definitely like in all aspects feels like an improvement from the first and they built on it. Yeah. That being said, I hope that they don't make another game. Right. It's kind of left a little bit ambiguous as to if the series could continue. But for me personally, I think that it has ended in a way that it's done. Like, I don't want to revisit it anymore. I can't handle any more of this. <laughs> I can't pull myself through but that. Also, I, but also, I think, like, just the way it ends is that it, it is kind of complete. Yeah. It feels like a completed story for me and anything else would feel kind of tacked on, I think. So I'm excited to see what Asobo does next. And like, I understand you might want to do more rat stuff because holy fuck, whatever program they've used for making the rats, like they were good in the first game. But in this one, it's like, it is amazing. I don't know how a computer can render that many rats. Like it is a swarm. Yeah. Like some of the areas that just get infested, like it is genuinely like a sea of rats just like spilling out over each other and you'll be set pieces where you're running from them and like they're crashing through buildings there's so many of them and just destroying everything in their path and you're like trying to race past them and geez it's incredible i remember just being blown away by the rats in the first one and uh, you know the technology was really cool like i I remember we did i think Mm -hmm. on our award show the year we played that game i think we even gave like best new mechanic or something to the rats in Plague Tale or it was like in the conversation they're legitimately very creepy like uh, if you if you if anyone watching hasn't seen the rats in Plague Tale just quickly YouTube it because it is it's Mm -hmm. it's really off-putting everybody it really is they they are unsettling I mean it it's definitely not like they're not like real rats like if you're scared of rats because like you know like a rat that might be in your house this is totally different these are like it's water they are not like creatures they are water that just like Spill over things. The rat tech has it is insane. Hashtag rat tech. 
Hashtag <laughs> but yeah, play Pigtail. Like, I really need you to play it because I need someone yeah. who's beaten it you know to what? talk to me. I'll play like, it. I need a support group. <laughs> I, need, I will play I need it. Help. It's on Game Pass and it's relatively short. So, I mean, I feel like it's because of your endorsement of it and because we do the show and because it'd be fun to talk about it. And when we get to the awards, you I know, think, at the end of next month. Yeah. Um, I think this is a good, like, spoiler game, too, because there's yeah. so much to unpack in the story that I, I really don't want to spoil. Yeah. But. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm in. Once I beat God yeah. of War, I think this will be on the list. So. Yeah, you don't have yeah. time now. It's too late. I I rushed to beat it before God of War, and I'm yeah. glad I did. I'm gla <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. Well, uh, let me tell you about my game now, Kate, and it's something you've been playing as well. And this is uh, sort of come out of nowhere to be something that I'm really really enjoying, and it is Marvel Snap. Um, this is the new Marvel <laughs> deck building game. Uh, I'm playing on my phone. I'm, I'm sure you probably are as well. I know it's on Steam yeah. as well, but um, wow, I did not expect to fall in love with this game the way that I did. And, you know, you always go into mobile stuff and you're like, oh, what are these microtransactions going to be? You know, like how long is it going to be till someone just rocks me with a deck they've paid for and like I don't have the cards I need? Stuff like mm -hmm. that, right? Like the Hearthstone problem yeah. or like, you know, pick your TCG of choice and it's the problem with almost all of them. And I gotta say off the top, like this game is not pay to win in any way. The, I mean, there's like one, I think the Miles Morales card that's like on the season's pass is exclusive to the season's pass, but it's not broken. It's just like one card that is, that's unique if you want to buy it. And the rest of it, like the microtransactions is literally just for cosmetics. Like you can get different versions of the cards or, um, you know, different, you can upgrade them to be like 3D or frame break or these different art styles, but it's, it's purely cosmetic, which I really, really appreciate because I think had it not been designed that way, I would have instantly just scrapped this because I know how those TCG games go when you, when you're trying to play for free and you're playing against people that aren't. So if, if you thought you're going to be apprehensive because of that, don't be. Um, and the game is just so simple as well. You know, it's a, it's a deck building game, but your deck is only like 10 cards or tw 12, 12 cards, cards right? 12 cards. So it's like, yeah. you don't have to really put so much effort into thinking about your deck. You can just kind of synergize a couple cards here and there, get started, and then you're good to go. The game itself is also very simple. The way that it works, it's, it's very similar to a board game called Smash Up, if anyone has played that. But essentially what it is, is there's um, every card has like an energy cost and it has a power level. And so, you know, every turn you get one energy on your first turn, two on the second turn, all the way up till turn six. Uh, and then the game is over after turn six. And the objective is that there are three locations on the, on the field, I guess you'd call it. And they're, they're all Marvel themed. So you can be like, um, you know, the, um, Avengers tower or like New York on the invasion day, or, um, I don't know if Wakanda is one, but it's all these Marvel locations. Yeah, Wakanda across. is one. It yeah. is one. Yeah. All from different Marvel uh, properties. And um, at each location, you can play up to four cards on your side and your opponent can do the same. And literally all you're trying to do after the end of six turns is to have a higher power level on two of the three locations. Um, and that's it. And so you'll be playing cards every turn and they have they can have different abilities. Like um, some cards can move locations. Other cards will power up if something is like a card is destroyed or if, if the location becomes full, it'll have a bonus. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of depth to the strategy in it, but it's presented in such a simple and approachable way that that is just so enticing. And they and the games go so quick, like it's only six turns. Um, you know, some yeah. TCGs can really go on for a while. This you're like literally on your phone. You're like, oh, I got five minutes to kill. Like I, I guess I'll just play Marvel Snap. Like and and you're um, yeah. in in and out of a game in like five minutes. Um, 
I, I just, I, I, I can't that, believe how fun the, it is. Yeah. That's one of the big selling points for me too, is just how quick it is and like how low effort it feels to get into it. Like, I feel like I get new cards all the time mm-hmm. because like you're constantly just like leveling up and like doing your daily quests and like you're unlocking stuff like as you play. That's literally like how you unlock things is that you just play like the quests just kind of happen because they're things like play 10 cards or like, yeah, they're very simple. you know, like win a match and they're very simple. Like you don't have to think about them. I don't even look at them. They just complete as I play and then you level up and you get like the material you need to upgrade cards, which then moves you up the tracker to get new cards. And so it's like, it just stuff just happens. It's kind of got like the Digimon cyber sleuth of like stuff just happening. Like you just constantly are getting new things. And then, like you said, like matches take a few minutes. Like it feels so low commitment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's normally what kills me with TCGs is that I really enjoy them for like a week and then I fall off because I just don't have new cards to make new decks. And I'm tired of like playing the same cards over and over again. But I'm also not invested enough to like put in the time to, right. to get new stuff. Yeah. Whereas Snap just feels like you can just play it so casually. But at the same time, like, it does feel satisfying to like make a deck that synergizes with itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you're always unlocking new stuff. I, I've been playing like quite a lot, to be honest. And I, I'm just at the point now where I, I think my unlock sort of uh, pace has slowed down because the way that mm-hmm. it kind of works is you, when you complete the challenges you get, there's a few different currencies, right? It's one of these type of games. And mm-hmm. um do you unlock this one currency, which is like this, I don't even know what it's called. It's blue. And you use that to, to spend, to upgrade your cards. And every time you upgrade them, they don't, they like, again, it's just cosmetic upgrades, but um, mm. every time you spend points on upgrading, you kind of move up this track and the track will give you either more of that currency or it'll unlock a new card. The cards are also unlocked in random order, which is very cool because you'll have different decks than mm. people of like your same level. But yeah, I'm at the I, point now I think where, how it... where upgrading, sorry, is just, I'm not um, getting enough of that blue currency every single time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, it takes me a little longer to get there now, but I have such a big library of cards at this point, a lot of which I've never put into a deck that I've made because I haven't really played around as much as I could have with the deck building yet. Um, so I feel like there's still so much variety I could get into and you're still, I mean, I'm still unlocking stuff, right? Every few matches, just mm-hmm. not every time now. Yeah, I think one of the other things I really like about the game is that because of how it works with the locations, there's a lot of variety. So like each location has an effect. Like it isn't just like one, two, three every time. They all do the things like you said, like there's um, the Avengers headquarters and like Central Park is there and like Wakanda has something, but they all do things. So they'll be like, oh, you can't like move cards here or in other locations like, oh, if you everyone can, or both players can only have one card at this location instead of four, which is normally the limit or like it'd be mm-hmm. various things like on turn five, everything here gets like, extra power or like you know on turn six you can move a card here if you want to and so like they augment sort of how you play your deck every time and so that kind of staleness that a card game can fall into of like when you play the same deck over and over again you're just like it sort of becomes formulaic where like i hope i have this card turn one and then this card turn two and then like i play this turn three and you sort of have like what would be optimal every time because of the locations being different it's kind of it changes how you might approach your yeah. deck. The, the, the locations really are the secret sauce of the game, I think, because like mm-hmm. you said, it just means your deck 
you're, you can't really optimize your deck. Like, I'm sure if you go online and you look up, like, you know, what's the best yeah. deck to build around this card? Like, of course you can find it, but you'll never play the same deck the same way in any two matches because there's, there's so, there's a lot of locations. Like, I don't know how many yeah. there are, but it feels like there must be like 20 at least. Like you don't really see yeah, them all the least. same. And so like, it can really, really impact the game. Like as, as a good example, I was playing a little bit last night and I had one, um, so the, the locations are also secret when they start. Like you can see the first location on mm. turn one and then turn two and three, the other two get revealed. You can still play cards right. on them, but you don't know what location it's gonna be until they sort of come up. Mm -hmm. And the, lo the board that I had, the first one was like cards that cost, um, I think it was like cards that cost five or six couldn't be played there. The middle location was cards can't be played here. And then the right location was cards that are played here are destroyed. <laughs> and so it was like <laughs> such a limited board of like how yeah. you could actually play anything. But it, it was really cool because I was playing a deck where my cards had a lot of movement. Like it was like, play this card, you can move it. Or you play a card down mm -hmm. and then it, the next card you play moves over a spot. And so I was able to like, okay, this is good because I can like put cards in this one location. And if you move them to the location, they're not destroyed. It's not counted as like playing them there. So right, it's moving. Yeah, it was, it was interesting to be able to like play around that type of, um, that type of barrier. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of like really game changing locations, you know, there's, there's one where, um, I think the, the wildest one is the one where it's like your power level at this location is, is on, is added to the other ones as well. Oh, so you're yeah, like yeah. trying to stack all the power you can on there because it'll like give you the win on all three locations then. Um, there's, yeah, there's just that variety I think is what's kept me coming mm. back. Um, like it's a really good point. The one that cracks me up is the one that's like after turn like three or something, all cards here become the Hulk. And the Hulk's <laughs> a funny card because he doesn't have any special abilities. He just has like a really high power level and nothing else. And so like every time that location comes up, people are just like chucking as much as they possibly can there. So like, we just want four Hulks. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's like, funny though. Sometimes because... that's I was going to say for me, oh, like I just leave that, mm -hmm. I leave that location sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care if they're going to put four Hulks down. I'm never going to beat them. So I'm just not even going to try. I'm going to stack my stuff on the other locations. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've started doing too, because like, it's such a trap. And like, that's kind of the, the fun of the game too, or is it's not just like I played my deck better. There's always that strategy of like knowing when to like contest a lane and when to give up a lane because yeah if they chuck four cards in the hulk one i chucked maybe one or two to make them think like they need to contest that but then yeah, pivoted the and sort of playing somewhere else <laughs> and so i don't care you have like 47 power over there with your massive hulk army like i had nine power over in wakanda and i won <laughs> yeah I i've had so many matches like that where you know i, I lose by yeah. like 30 points on one location and then i win another one like five to four and that's like the same yeah. the same deal but i end up winning and like my power is pathetic on the other two but it's like i don't care <laughs> it doesn't yeah doesn't exactly so like there is that fun kind of element of like outsmarting your opponent and like there's a lot of cards too where it's like oh if your opponent played a card here the same turn like then you mm -hmm. double your power mm -hmm. or something and it's like oh i'm gonna try to predict like where they're gonna play and like there's an element of some like you know, mind games going on as much as there really can be in a mobile game where like you're not really sitting face to face with someone. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I think another thing too, just to like, the other thing I really want to compliment this game on is that it's, it just feels like they've really put a lot of effort into making it, uh, like, giving care and attention to all the characters, making them feel a little bit unique, you know? Mm. Like when, when you play the cards down, a lot of times they'll kind of like, you put Captain America down, for example, and he'll be like, Avengers, assemble. And like his shield like mm -hmm. pops up over him and he powers up the cards on the same 
the same, uh, you know, place where he's standing. And every card has something like that, where they come in and they, they're introduced a certain way. You know, you play Quicksilver and when you, when you draw him out of your deck, he kind of like zooms across the screen and comes down into your hand, for example, or, um, yeah. you know, all there, those different types of things. There's a lot of character like they went above and beyond with the detail and I agree I think that's one of the coolest things like my favorite is Nightcrawler and he can mm -hmm. like move once to a different location and when you play him he like puffs in like a, like with some smoke like as if he's like teleported over and and I agree I think that's the sign to me where like yeah this is a mobile game but it it's that higher level of quality that I think a lot of mobile games don't get because like they didn't have to go all out and like the art assets are really nice on the mm -hmm. cards. Oh, some of the cards they look amazing. Look those pixel art cards when you unlock those variants yeah. of like I have a pixel Hulk and he's like flexing and it's, it's just like I love <laughs> that style. Like I don't use the Hulk, but yeah. I want to make a deck with it just because I have that variant. Exactly. And like they've done it too where like a lot of the abilities like really seem suited for what the character does. Like Scarlet Witch will come out and she changes what location she's on. She'll like use her powers and like, you know, like change the reality of the location. So now it's different. And like, yeah, like Nightcrawler can teleport and like Captain America buffs up other characters in the screen and like Heimdall moves everyone like over and they all really seem yeah. like they've got a lot of like care with, with not just like what's good for balancing the game, but also like what char the character makes sense personality wise to have. And like, even the Hulk, like he doesn't have an ability, he's just fucking he's big. Strong, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say it's perfect across the board. Like there's, there's a couple characters like, um, who is it? Cable, I think that you like, you put him down and he, you can like draw a card from your opponent's deck. Like, I don't know how that really makes sense for Cable, Yeah, but like, you can get it, kind of get it, right? Uh, like another good example too, Mantis. Like she's got like psycho, psycho, mm -hmm. what is it? Psychic abilities, and so like when you have her, you can see like the unrevealed locations. Like she can, she can see. Uh, oh no, that's the Watcher. Sorry, the Watcher. The Watcher, yeah. yeah. But in, in like it makes mm -hmm. sense for him, right? But they're not. I don't yeah. think they're all perfect, but enough of, of them, them are, are. Enough of, enough them, of are them are good. Where you really Jessica Jones it. is another good one. She like mm -hmm. comes down and she has four power or something, and if you don't play another anything in that lane for the next turn she like buffs up which i think is kind of cool because she's like the like i hate other people like lone wolf yeah. kind of archetype so she gets stronger if you don't play more stuff with her she's kind of a cool yeah. card but i was, I was gonna yeah. ask you what are what are some of your favorite cards um i'm a really big fan i just got a lot of the like destroy stuff so i'm really big fan of using like carnage yeah. who like eats your other units and gets stronger but then i have like him with um like him wolverine, wolverine yeah and wolverine like when he gets destroyed he like comes back in another lane for free because like he, he's like immortal so like that's kind of cute and like saber tooth has a similar thing so i well, really I like, those, like destroyed. i haven't got him oh ah. he's cool when you eat him or like when he gets destroyed he goes back into your hand but now it costs for free right you can, right, like, right put him down anywhere and you have like, so Nova like in that deck as well nova yeah so i like a lot of like the destroy kind of mm -hmm. stuff i think that's that's usually my favorite archetype in card games so i'm not too yeah you know surprised by that but there's some other cool stuff too like i saw someone play scorpion against me and he, i just like, got him puts he's venom cool. on your cards so they like get one less power like there's yeah. a lot of cool stuff he's cool i think i think my favorite card is professor x I don't know if you've seen mm, him or not, but he's yeah, he's like he's, he's quite neat. an expensive card. He's like a five cost. Like you can only play him on the last couple turns of the game. I mean, unless you get like a way to play him for free or something. He's pretty weak. But what happens is when you put him down, 
he you, cards cannot be played on that location. It like locks it down. So I've had a couple matches mm. with him where like we've got one of those locations which has like no characters on it. We just haven't played in a certain lane. I just put Professor mm. X and I win three nothing on that lane because no one can yeah. play. Like it's it's, it's really it's cool. It's done that for. Yeah. Yeah. I like he him can a be lot. a really cool card to work around. Yeah, I like him a lot. I, I really like um, Punisher. Like Punisher powers up for mm -hmm. every card again. Like because he's like he's it's another one of these things that's themed so well like punisher is just a guy he doesn't care what the odds are like fuck it he's gonna kill these people you know and so for mm -hmm. him it's like every for every opponent opposing card on the same lane he gets more powerful because he's just like he's a one-man army so i think that's really cool yeah <laughs> uh i mean actually another cool one too is i like the hulkbuster a lot which is um oh, yeah. the hulkbuster is like I think one of the most unique cards because when you put it down, mm -hmm. it actually attaches to another card on the lane. So you can technically pay five cards on that lane because Hulkbuster doesn't mm -hmm. take up a spot, but you can power up a card with it. And what's really cool, and I don't know if you've ever done this or seen it, is there's one location where when you play a card there, it, it fills that location with copies of the same card. So if you put Hulkbuster mm -hmm. down without anything else there, you'll get four Hulkbusters and then they'll all like fuse together and be worth like, 20 oh, and be like power one or massive yeah Hulkbuster? it's really cool to do that yeah i, I experimented that's cool. i've one never time. seen that yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome yeah so i mean i don't know what else i've got to say about this game really other than i'm i'm blown away by it um i'm probably going to continue to keep playing it um i could even see myself buying the season's pass for for next season honestly like i i didn't for this one just because number one i'm like okay am i really going to be like playing this long term or am i kind of just hyped on it and number two, it's like the seasons are, are fairly short. So I felt like I wasn't really going to get my money worth because I only just started playing and the season ends like next week. But at this mm -hmm. point, like if I continue playing at the, the amount that I am, I think I will buy the season's pass and just like, I want that extra currency, you know, I want that extra gold so I can upgrade some cards and get the, this, you know, the special card, whatever the season's going to be. So I, I think that could be pretty fun to, to do actually. And one thing the game doesn't have yet, the last thing I want to say about it is that I wish that there was a way to play against friends. Like you, it's just random matchmaking at this point. I know that um, like the ability to play against people is coming, which I think will be really fun because I would love to play against you and like one of my friends mm -hmm. is playing as well. And I would love to, it'd be funny to like just sit on the couch and be playing mobile games. Like I've never done that with someone before, but this might be the mm -hmm. first time when we actually like get to do it. Yeah, I agree. And that's one of those things that people are like, well, it doesn't have that. But like, it's obviously coming. It's just the game's new and that, you know, they haven't implemented that infrastructure yet. But otherwise, yeah, like, I think it's the only game I, only mobile game I have on my phone and that I would ever really consider playing. So mm -hmm. that's got to got to count for something. <laughs> it's got to count for something, everybody. Uh, yeah, check out Marvel Snap. It's very fun. And uh, man, what else can you say? I'm blown away. I don't like it's not game of the year contender or anything like that. You know, like, let's. I don't want to pump it up too much, but if you're looking for a card game that's approachable and easy and Marvel themed and on your phone and not doesn't suck, like this is the one. This is like the best TCG. <laughs> that's the biggest accolade for it is it doesn't, don't worry, it doesn't suck. <laughs> that's right. All right. Um, well, let's finish off the show here, Kate, as we always do, like we mentioned at the start with listener mail, um, which at this point, I think you'll read out now. Yeah, so this is a fun question. It's kind of similar to our Frankenstein question, but a little different. So this is just to remake a game. So it's pick a game that was almost there and just swap a quality. So the example um, that Jonah gave when he wrote this in is like you would have Skyrim, but the but instead of Skyrim combat, it has God of War combat. 
Which, Could you like, imagine the it's change? It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> that, would, that would make it so much better because, like, obviously that's, you know, Skyrim's biggest flaw. Mm-hmm. Or he said, like, it's Skyrim, but it's got, like, the world design of Banner Saga, which is such a cool world to be in. And, like, imagine, like, being able to just, like, roam around Skyrim kind of style. Like, that's mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. It's a good question, honestly. I, I spent a lot of time thinking because, I mean, you could really take this in some some zany yes. ways, you know? Like, I think almost any game would be better with God of War combat. <laughs> so, I, mean, <laughs> I don't really know where to take it, but um, I don't know. What what did you want to bring up for this one? So I, I actually need help with mine because okay. I was brainstorming this a lot and I couldn't quite come up with the right thing. I mean, so obviously I have to shout out, like, basically every game could could have FromSoft combat because, like, you know, I'm, I'm at this point legally obligated to shout out FromSoft at least once an episode. Yeah, it has to happen. you got to meet your quota somehow. I was waiting for yeah, it. Kate. You're almost out of time here. We're getting near the end of the show. <laughs> oh, don't worry. It's always, it's always at the back of my sleeve. Um, so, yeah, basically every game could have FromSoft combat, and that'd be awesome. Um, but what I really wanted to do was somehow fix Spiritfarer. Because mm. I tried to play that game before it left Game Pass. And I was so enthralled with the art style and like the general atmosphere of the game and the concept of being like a ferryman and like taking spirits that are like not quite ready to pass on yet and helping them kind of like get past whatever like last hurdle was in their life and then send them on to like the afterlife like i love that kind of stuff like i think that's honestly like one of my favorite things to explore in games like death's door kind of does mm, that mm-hmm. and like even like my favorite book the book thief is like narrated by death and has an element of like you know when when it's your time and being ready for it and so like that concept of like death and passing on just fascinates me and i wanted to love spirit fair but the problem is is that a lot of the gameplay is very like manage your boat kind of thing and like resort and like do mini games to get resources and then when you have wood you have to do this like saw mm-hmm. mini game to cut the wood so then you can build more things on your boat and like I just felt like it was not it felt like chores and busy work to play so I, I was thinking I need a new completely yeah, agree with so... you I was thinking, like, I really want a different style of gameplay to go in Spirit Fair. And I was thinking, like, could be like an, but I don't necessarily want it to be like a narrative, just a narrative thing, like, um, yeah. like a Detroit or like a Telltale kind of thing where like it's just choices. Because I think having like more of a tangibility in the world and actually like having gameplay that worked around your boat made it unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i don't know what kind of gameplay you put in there to replace the like crappy resource management stuff <laughs> you know what i i've thought a lot about this too because i had the same experience with you playing that game spirit like spirit pair to me was so interesting narratively i loved the relationships i loved to meet mm-hmm. the characters you know learn about their life and what had happened and when they when they got to pass on like it was actually pretty emotionally impactful like not like tears level mm-hmm. like plague tale but it but you mm-hmm. felt it right and, but you're right, like that game was so bogged down by like, I just want to, especially when I got near the end, it's actually one of the few games where I kind of just put it down and never finished it because it just became so much more it's about tedious, the management right? of the, your resources and the crap. Like, yeah. I don't want to be on that kiln and doing that fucking mini game, you know? Yeah, like, I just and like, go talk. it's not, it's not fun. Like you can spend like five minutes doing this really yeah. shitty, like mobile style mini game to like get enough of like yarn or something. Yeah. It's like... I, I have a fix, though. I have a proposition. I think I know what okay. I would do with this after listening to you. And it's going to sound mm-hmm. weird, but stick with me. 
I think okay. that what they need to do is they need to make it, they needed to find a way to automate a lot of that stuff. And the game mm-hmm. that's coming to my mind is something like, you know, like you ever play Forager or like Cookie Clicker or like one of those, like, it's almost like you're trying to automate really menial processes and like upgrade mm-hmm. them over time. But I feel like what they could have okay. done would be like, you know, you could hire someone in each town and like each town has a different signature resource. Mm-hmm. And if you like made friends with that person, maybe there's like a, like a gift you give them, but then maybe they like, they like harvest that material for you. So you don't need to worry about it. Or maybe there's like someone in a town where you can hire them for your boat and they'll like, Oh, which, which like place do you want to employ them on, on your boats? So they become like your, right. your, um, they craft like in your kitchen. So you don't have to bother cooking the food anymore for your crewmates. Like maybe they could just do it and you could automate certain things that way. And it would free all your time up for Mm -hmm. being the people. I don't know. That would help it so much. Like, I think like it's almost enough to get past it. Like, I still think that like they could do more with it. Like, I think there could be something interesting to do as opposed to just mitigate how tedious Mm -hmm, it is. mm -hmm. Um, And maybe I'll keep, trying to think on it or you know if somebody has a really good suggestion please yeah, please let, us, let know. us know let but, us know but i think that at least like i maybe would play the game because at least you've removed the aspects that are just yeah so like i mean i like that i like those aspects i liked getting the crafting i liked building my boat i liked doing that stuff but at a certain point there was just i'm spending more time on that than i am on the relationships and that's not yeah, the point the of what the game was, was really it should have ruined. been like maybe 25 percent of that stuff and the rest all about the narrative in my opinion at mm-hmm. least that's what i was looking for from yeah. that game so interesting okay well mine that came to my head and i mean like i said again i think any game can be improved with you know if you take your favorite of something you know like mm-hmm. any any rpg could be better with the persona combat system but i mean whatever mm-hmm. um but for me like i was th- I'm trying to think of something i'd played recently because i didn't want to bring up la noir again and <laughs> <laughs> and for you know what it is for me it's it was mario strikers or like i guess mm-hmm. it could be the mario sports games in general or the modern ones anyway and i just i don't know i i know the the gameplay themselves like i enjoyed mario strikers for like you know, playing the few matches, like we got together, we played a couple times and and it was like legit fun. fun. Like it was, it was a good game, but it's just so surface level. And I, very sparse. Yeah. Very sparse. And I just think like it could have really been improved by, you know, let there be some kind of RPG mode where you actually get to have a team and like, you're not just playing through one tournament, but you go through like a season and you could, you know, you, you draft players like, and they keep, it keeps their stats. Like, oh, Daisy's leading the league in goals this season or something. Or like you could trade for a certain player or like, you know, upgrade your team somehow. Just some kind of actual mode to kind right, of dig like your team into. Like what they do in the like EA kind of like yeah, professional yeah, yeah. mode kind of game. And it's not like I want like a huge in-depth sim. Like I know this is like, it's a Mario style game. It's going to be more about like the zaniness than it is sort of like the in-depth sim. But there's there's got to be some balance that you could strike where there's a strike. Very good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's that's all, that's what I'm I, thinking about. I feel like you could ma- match the zaniness to that kind of mode, though, right? So it's like, yeah, like Daisy's leading, but it's like, oh, like you know, maybe like there's items involved, right? And it's like Daisy got like blue shelled, and now she's not leading anymore. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like there could be like zany events that like happen that kind of change the standings and like change yeah, augment right, the players right, right. and stuff like that, right? And like. I think, you know, maybe it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as serious as one of those modes in like a, just like the NHL games or something. But I think that mode could lend itself to having like some of that like silly Mario shenanigans going on as well. I agree. There, there's, there's too much good stuff 
that's available from the Mario universe. And it would be too easy to put some of like, these ideas are not that complicated, you know? It, I don't want to make game development, tri I don't want to trivialize it. Like, obviously it's not as simple as like, oh, I guess we'll just make this RPG mode. But I mean, there's got to be a little bit more you can do than just just like, you know, a tournament and a free play mode yeah. and an online mode that you can't even do four versus four online. You can only do two versus two. Like, I don't know. That's another yeah. thing too. Yeah, <laughs> especially when it's like, you know, a triple A game you're paying like 80 bucks mm -hmm, for. Mm -hmm, like, come mm -hmm. on. Like, I, you said, you're going to tell me that Ragnarok and Elden Ring are the same price as like Mario Strikers that yeah, has like yeah, two yeah. modes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> come I, on. It's a little disappointing, yeah. but I, I just think like I wanted to like it so bad. I wanted to mm -hmm. want the new Mario Tennis so badly because I love Mario Tennis on the GameCube. Yeah. It's like a great, great game and I would play it anytime, but they're, they're just so shallow. And yeah, like know. at least have all like the mini games and those extra things that they used to have. Like I remember the tennis had like that mode where you would like paint the wall and mm -hmm, you had like the tennis mm -hmm, balls that mm -hmm. were like colored and you'd have to paint yeah, and, like, and hit like certain to, like, shots. Recreate. Like you hit the flop shot to like get it higher to hit the top corner and then you're yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly it's stuff like that. And there was like a like a volleyball mode or something that we used to play yeah. and like See, <laughs> a lot of little like extra bonuses <laughs> this is this is not even uh, me adding a mechanic to a game anymore now i'm just now we're just bitching about mario sports games <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right amazing but hey that that's where it comes from right it's like this this kind of question is like mm -hmm. what is a game another way to word this is like what a game was a game that has tons of potential but like needs to be shored up in a certain area exactly yeah and yeah. you know that's strikers <laughs> and those are those are some good answers so but we would love to hear your mm -hmm. answers of what games you guys would like to be improved and what would you change about them so like i said at the top of the show you can write those into our email address or our twitter account which are all listed down below uh, thank you again to Jonah for that excellent question. Uh, obviously, we enjoyed talking about it, even though you didn't even know you didn't even know what your solution was going to be. I didn't even really know <laughs> mine. We got sidetracked, but it was fun. Um, been a good show, Kate. This has been enjoyable. Thank you very much uh, for thank you very much for sparking my interest in Plague Tale. I actually I I I was off of it, you know, after my experience, but. You know, it's always mm -hmm. nice to get a good recommendation. So thank you very much. Yeah, please. I really need some emotional support on this one. Please play it. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but like we said at the top of this show as well, next episode, we're talking about God of War Ragnarok. So uh, look forward to that one, everybody. And until next time, this has been Cloud Control. The gaming podcast is not just good, it's good enough. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.